to Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, I have the privilege of being in conversation with a poet, writer, nonprofit consultant, and cultural worker. Back in 2021, uh, along with his friend and collaborator, Shamar Hill, he co-founded Thrive Arts, a service organization that seeks to provide capacity building to communities of color. He currently serves as a co-chief executive officer. Please welcome Abdul Ali. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. Uh, I practiced that intro a couple of times before. <laughs> You're very good at it. You should do podcasting. <laughs> so, you know, again, thank you for for joining and, and really making this time for us to chat. And before we get super deep and embedded in peeling this onion back, um, could you share your story? Like, you know, where did you grow up? What was your first experiences in creativity, writing, um, performance? I would, you know, with when I think of poetry, I think of someone I, you know, it's not the snapping. It's not, and I rise, and it's not that. It's not, it's not the, it's not that. But tell me about that. You're, you're kind of like, um, your, your upbringing, and ultimately, what brings you to where you're at and the work that you're doing. Sure, sure. Um, so the condensed version, <laughs> I grew up in a place called Queens, New York, um, and I had the good fortune of attending an all-Black elementary school, and um, the, the teachers there loved on us really, really hard, and it was not unusual for us to have a poet, you know, to come in for a weekly assembly and they would recite their work or to have um, a dance troupe. Like art was very much a part of not only our culture, but also the culture of our school that was run by black educators, right? So I'm a beneficiary of that and, and really proud of that. Um, so I, I would say we had story time, um, both teachers and volunteers would come in and read to us, but they also played, um, the cassettes we had cassettes back then and you would hear you know stories being dramatically read you know and i just got really excited about the human voice and how it can communicate emotion by um different uh, volumes and all of this kind of thing um yeah and then we had this uh, poet come in and i remember um, i think her name was linda michelle Barron, and I remember wanting to buy her book and memorizing her poems. And, you know, she had this poem called, If I Were Music, I'd Be Jazz. So real, you can feel this pure pizzazz, snazzy, jazzy, boiling ice. I'd never play the same way twice. When God, he made me, he heard the music and improvised. Yeah. So I was, I, I like was love uh, from a early <laughs> age with uh the written word um the power of voice that's dope yeah <laughs> oh yeah yeah um and so you know um fast forward <laughs> you know i um went to college and studied um english and theater um and you know there's i think a lot of creatives they learn that there's the creation part of um, the, the art, and then there's the career part, right? Like, how do you earn a living? How do you build, um, be a part of an ecosystem? You know, how do you, how are you supporting others and your, you know, others are supporting you, um, community, you know, that became very important to me. And so I started working in nonprofits and 
teaching and, you know, going back and forth between the two. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I stumbled, you know, as many people of color do, you know, where, you know, some of these spaces are very, um, they're not progressive. Um, and I remember during the pandemic, uh, talking to one of, you know, my, my dear friend Shamar and saying, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't be really the the flex, you know, if we started something where we could um, really support artists um, and kind of create a, a roadmap on how to thrive, you know, yeah. not not just pay the bills, but how do you own the damn building and have tenants? You know, how do yeah. you be in a position to give grants, right? So that's the idea uh, behind Thrive Arts, and that's how I'm trying to live. Uh, I'm trying to walk the talk, you not yeah. just talk the talk. Yeah. And, um, and and we're definitely, definitely, there's a chunk about that, that I definitely want to dive in on. And um, so in in this, you know, we I have this, this other question, and I, and I think it ties to, you know, one of the things that, that you mentioned in that sort of introductory portion. Um, is there an, another experience that comes to mind that kind of helped influence your like creative philosophy, help influence your creative philosophy? Um, I know a lot of times we, I guess my philosophy is, I just want to see the thing get made. That's the thing I've been really rocking with. And like, mm -hmm. you know, as a, as a person who's an ideator, it, it may be an idea that I think should just be out there in the universe. And mm -hmm. You know, I may not be the person to do it. I may not be the right person, you know, but, you know, I think having that idea and just sharing it and see who rocks with it, that's 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 just what I, I'm about. I think it's like creative energy and it cannot be created or destroyed. Uh, that is a uh, Full Metal Alchemist reference. But um, so what is your creative philosophy? I always try to see who, who's my anime heads out here. Oh, goodness. So, you know, I don't know if I have a distilled creative philosophy but I will say that I'm very, um, I really, really do believe that it's important as artists for us to have a vision, mm. for us to have a, a, a safe space. And by safe, I mean safe to take risks, right? right? Um, and, and to watch something grow, right? Because I think that, you know, the, the business of creating art is creating a live thing, right? You want it to grow in the world. You want people to engage it. You want it to travel. You want it to uh, wear clothes and 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 do the, do what it do, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. With that being said, you know, I um, you know, I was an arts critic actually in my twenties. So I spent a lot of time, um, it, not only just enjoying art for pleasure but paying attention and studying it uh, seeing what the process was like what ideas is the art piece engaging um why is it a success why did it fall flat on its face yeah. um so these things you know i think that um you know it's it's important you know is this art being created of our own vision or are we creating it uh for an audience that doesn't look like our, our our family and our neighbors and things like that so i'm i'm very fascinated by the, the art making process um yeah. and the attendant uh wrestling arm wrestlings that happened you know within and without of and, and inside us and outside of us um so yeah you know being true to that process um I, I mean, 
I mean, I don't know, like, I, I, I really love when I go into the theater or go to a, a poetry reading or go to an art exhibition, and I feel somehow changed for the better. Yeah. Right? Like, I think that that is, that may not be the only function of art, but that is a wonderful thing. You know, when you can create something and someone can engage it and they feel um, changed in, in yeah. some way right it's like go go broke or go home right <laughs> so so yeah i don't i don't i think if i were to and also i think creativity is is a, a moving living thing you know so if you if you were to ask me what was my vision for my uh my only book of poems at the moment you know i i would have one particular answer right sure. like i was interested uh, I was interested in capturing the moment, the zeitgeist, right? Um, yeah. We were, it was a very interesting time. Uh, my book is called Trouble Sleeping and I had insomnia. Um, there were all these, I was living in Washington DC. There were all these protests happening around Troy Davis. I mean, there was just so much happening all at once. And I really wanted uh, to do justice and to not just, you know, write myself, but to write myself in a larger narrative of what was happening uh, culturally, creatively, politically, all of that. Um, so today I'm in a different place, you know, yeah. creativity is always moving, you know, so I think that, um, you know, when I present my next work, you know, I'll have a new, uh, a new philosophy or a new vision. So I think that, um, yeah, so I don't think it's a static thing at all. Absolutely, it's it's dynamic and got used to the word, the German word, uh, <laughs> the zeitgeist, and uh, yeah, and I I think in some ways in 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 this, I, I don't know because I, I I don't really like speaking too crazy about anything that I do or anything about my stuff, but I think in in doing this podcast, I think a lot of times this is an accompaniment. This is something that if you're listening to, let's say, if I'm I have a guest on it, they have an exhibition that's opening soon listen to this right before right after and it's going to give you something extra kind of touching on the thing that you said like you'll feel changed and i think having something that's more well-rounded and when they whenever there's something on tv where they have like the fictionalized version they have like i, I think of the kind of the revision thing on like oj right and oj simpson and all of his terribleness and I remember the the 30 for 30 that went out and then like the fictionalized thing. And it's like, oh, now I'm getting the full view. And I feel like there's something, some truth there in the middle of all of that different stuff. And I think getting as much from the artist, from the creator, when something drops, whether it's here's my DVD commentary on my work, <laughs> in addition to their work, I think there's something extra that's there that feels richer than just going there to see it or going there and having someone critique it. I think that there is something richer of kind of having a peek into who the person is as they're as they're putting this work out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So and I'm, I'm going to use I'm going to use a uh, business ease right here for you because I think you'll appreciate it. So what are your what's your North Star creatively? Like, what are the three truths that kind of guide you in your work? There's a the cultural work component. There's the creativity component. There's a cons consultation component. And um, there is the even critique component, as you touched on earlier. What are some of those truths that have guided you, I think, across the different spheres you're working in? 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I heard two questions, North Star and then three truths. So I would say the North Star is freedom. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> in, in all of the ways, right? So we're talking about creative freedom. We're talking about economic freedom, um, sp- you know, spiritual, all of that. I think that's so important for the artists. I mean, we we often forget about why why do we do what we do you know um there's obviously something there's there's a special there's a particular something that we get when we're creating that we don't get in doing anything else right Right. and that's why we do it um in terms of three truths um i keep coming back to honesty right like am i being honest you know um in this piece of writing in, in this what have you um some of us are not being honest you know we're tra- following market trends or or what have you i'm not mad at anybody i'm just saying you know honesty is really important i think curiosity also um you know it's not uncommon for me to want to do a little research to to under to know the etymology of a thing um you know i live in baltimore now how how did baltimore get to be uh, what it is um was it always this way um what were the influences in making it this way um what are the narratives of baltimore that we don't see in the news and why is that so i think curiosity is a big engine for my uh, truth telling uh truth seeking um and then also i think it's important for me to not stay in one place you know like um i mentioned earlier about this safe space um i don't really believe that there's any place safe (laughs) but i do believe that at least psychologically i need to feel safe to take risks right i need to feel safe to tell my truth even if it exposes me in a way that makes me feel uncomfortable i need to own that i need to be comfortable with that otherwise i don't think the art can move forward and and grow and uh be of consequence yeah uh, out putting out what people want me to put out and that becomes more like uh a publicity uh me being a publicist for others or propaganda or something like that yeah and, and there is I don't know. I, I think being in this spot, and thank you for that, because it, it really it, it, it crystallizes some stuff for me there, and it, it kind of brings this thought to me. This is not within the questions that you have, but it makes me think about this 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 trend I'm seeing of more of this sort of AI created stuff, artists from people, and yeah. it's like, oh yeah, you know, I can make that. I'm gonna use a computer to make that. It's gonna take from these different images and. I'm seeing more and more of this stuff sort of involved and it's taking out this human element. And I think that that is attached for better or for worse with this notion of how do you get your work out there? Well, you got to use social media to get your work out there. Social media is not a, it's not our gallery. It's not a place to have your work seen in in many regards. It's a place to share maybe some, some of the process and things of that nature, but you, you change from being a person that produces and creates art that speaks and has something to say, I suppose, to a content creator. Mm. And that's not what it is if we really take a look at it. And on occasion, when I listen to like rappers and they talk about, yeah, I'm just making music that's syncable. Oh, cause it's after the bag versus the work. And maybe that is the work. 
maybe that is you're just you know making this sort of stuff but i think it's considerations to make and what that that shift is what what things are really happening because um you want to see good stuff you don't want to see like just these pale like kind of impressions and comparisons to something because the more that that is the more diluted that becomes the more sanitized that that becomes yeah, I, I think what I'm what I'm getting at ties to sort of that freedom of let me stretch the boundaries, let me bug out some people, let me do this for the sake of extending and and doing really creative things. And maybe it won't be well received. Maybe it'll be you know everyone has like some of these classic musicians. Everyone has a bad album. It's like what what happened here? I don't know what happened here, bro. But they're still like revered as the talent that they are, the creator that they are, the artist that they are. And maybe it's not that it's a bad album it just wasn't popular yeah yeah you know and i think there's something to be said about you know if the art is honest um then it should be received as such but just because it's not popular that doesn't mean it's less you know it's less than art you know like when we look at an artist's body of work we may know them for the this one thing but they may have done all these other things over here and there you know yeah um, so I think that that's something for us to keep in mind, um, you know, when we're judging uh, the artist. Um, yeah. And God, th- this content creator thing, I feel like <laughs> I feel like that was born with maybe th- the internet age, you know, and mm-hmm. so it somehow flattened um, the identity of the artist, you know, because when we think of artists, we think of uh, having a signature. A, a sauce a special sauce about them you know that's defined but if everyone can do what you're doing then that sort of dilutes it you know and 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 it kind of strips you of your artistry and your vision mm-hmm. come just a content creator someone anonymous and behind the scenes um anybody can do it on an assembly line you know post that that (laughs) gif you know or what have you um so i i would say let's resist you know being content creators and step into being artists right yeah and it 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 makes you think and this is a haphazard segue but it makes you it makes you ask the question of how can artists thrive and so that brings me to thrive arts as we go back into that let's talk about that a little bit um if you will um shared a mission mission um what what prompted the work and i know you touched on it again but for the folks in the back let's tie back into it sure um so it's not a secret that there that artists of color struggle harder um for a, a variety of reasons many of which we've inherited because of history right sure. um fewer resources fewer control of institutions that have resources uh institutional racism you name it um so this idea for thrive arts you know is to democratize the access and the knowledge you know like how do the thriving organizations how do they stay thriving you know and how do we get those that are struggling to get into a position where they're thriving right um i go back to capacity i mean usually when you're meeting people in the community and someone says oh i founded a nonprofit that person is probably wearing five hats they're the founder they're the executive director they're the bookkeeper <laughs> the short order fry chef cook they're uh <laughs> the unofficial loan officer <laughs> the babysitter all of that and that isn't sustainable 
No. It is hard to grow if you're doing five jobs. It's hard to do one job well, <laughs> right? Yeah. And if you have a family or or loved ones that you're if you're a caregiver, uh, and you got to pay bills and all of that, so this lens of capacity, I think that's where it's at. You know, how do we do so? How do we do intelligent planning? Because it's hard to do that if you're just putting out fires. You know, yeah. you got ten bills and you're like close my eyes let me just pick one you know that that that's very hard to grow when you're in that position yeah. um so you know shamar and i um you know he has a development background i have a programming background um and and how do we kind of uh like the the superheroes of of you know let our powers come back <laughs> how do we yeah. get together and and work on behalf of community um so that's that's really what we're doing and how do we do it um you know we uh we have a fiscal sponsorship program you know baltimore has a, a really woeful history with fiscal sponsors mm -hmm. so i um you know was aware of that and i definitely wanted to uh change the narrative about that um we should be trying to amplify and lift up uh community organizations not rob them blind <laughs> you know i've heard stories where folks don't even know how much money they have in, in the coffers from one month to the next so that puts them in a position of uh a subordinate position a weak position you know yep. where they're depending on the fiscal sponsor to tell them how much they have in the bank as opposed to this is what my financial statement says let me see what yours says so we can reconcile this right yeah, yeah. Uh, so these these things that may come as no-brainers it's not a no-brainer for many for many organizations reality providing workshops you know we were talking about before uh the recording came on about funding sources you know how do you um learn about that ecosystem and be a part of it right yeah. um how do you move from being an emerging artist to a developed thriving artists right and then also maybe you want to be uh nationally known you know that kind of thing you know so how do you how do you get to those levels um so i think all of those things is what i had in mind when i was thinking about thrive arts because i do believe that the artist plays a very important role in our community um and you know we, we want our young people to know that you don't have to aspire to to be um you know and a professional athlete uh, uh like that's the only way to make it you know like there's so many creative young people and you know i'd like for them to know that they can have an abundant life and do well um so long as they know the business side of it as well but yeah th those those two conversations always have to go in like the the art side of things the the business side of things and uh, you know i've said it on here before that you know, me pursuing this, um, at least as art in a mindset, I've, I've heard different things. I've heard people, oh, that's just journalism, or that's not art, or what have you. Some of the grand applications I do are hilarious. But um, I, I think the strategy from what I do as a data analyst helps me think of how I'm going to do this. My background is in business. And it's funny, you know, when I was younger, you know, black parents, ah, you do something that makes money. I was like, well, I want to be a comic book artist. I don't know. Don't know, bro. I figure it out. And it's this sort of like atrophy we have where you you start cutting off pieces of yourself and you're eventually going to come back to it. 
you know, because it's there, you know, it's like, yeah, this is a thing that I used to do, I think. And I, I think you touched on it earlier, you're describing, um, you know, the, your, your book of poetry, um, that when we come back to it, it's like, this is where I was at at this moment in my sort of creative journey. Now as a 37 year old man with the experience that are baked in from being, I guess, a seven year old that was drawing every five minutes, it's 30 years of experience that has changed maybe how I view that. Like, I'm not using crayons anymore. I'm using color pencils and Japanese makas, you know, or or whatever it is to do it. But that desire, that inclination is still there. And I, I in those instances where I can speak with young folks, um, earlier this year, I had a chance to go to my um, high school and I hadn't been there in like 20 years. And mm. I had a moment of age. I was like, yeah, you know, some of you aren't going to. And I thought about it as I was talking. I was like. Huh, the younger, the youngest, the oldest of you were born in 2004. I graduated in 2003. I am an old person. And I was like, age has befallen us. And I had to correct myself and catch myself. But as I'm talking to them, I'm just like, your creativity matters. And really sharing, like, don't just piss it away. Like, you know, go as far as you can go with it and see what that vision is. And think of being creative, being an artist or being in that sort of industry as cool. It's a huge industry. And and I think and maybe you'll agree. I think that our contribution contributions as people of color, as black people specifically, aren't always given their their just due for the contributions that are made. And I think even here we see it regularly. We see, you know, music in a very big bad way, having Baltimore club music influences in it. Oh, that's Jersey Club. No, 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 no. Let's not do that. And there's something to be said about that. And I think when if you see somebody here truly popping and, and going off, there's something to aspire after. But having those resources, having people to kind of give you like, you know, you should do it this way or here's an avenue that you can approach. Like, as I would imagine, that's coming from Thrive Arts. That's that's important. Yeah. Um, creativity is very important when you look at um you know, when I was in the classroom, I taught at um, I taught at a independent private school, um, and and then my colleagues who taught at public school, I noticed how much emphasis the independent private school put on creativity, uh, not rote memorization, but developing your own presentations, your own. Uh, uh entry point into the discourse and and this is how you have disruptors and steve jobs you know and those types of people people who are not just going with the status quo but imagining how it might be you know mm -hmm. and i feel like that is killed off in a lot of our public schools because how dangerous it would be to have all these young people of color, you know, just disrupting society left and right. Like, no, maybe Congress should have term limits or maybe, you know, and, yeah. and I, it, um, this is why art uh, books get banned so much because that freedom that the artist is able to achieve, it can become contagious and society does not want us to be too free. Yeah. 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 Factual. And one of the things that becomes has become part of my my process and coming up with questions and, and trying to really, like I said, peel the onion back. That's, you know, it might make you cry sometimes, but you got to peel the onion back. And I I listen to audiobooks because that's the quickest way that I can consume them. And I'm going back to stuff from the 20s, the 30s, about creativity, about person-to-person -person connection, because there has to be a connection in these sort of conversations to make 
people feel and recognize this as a safe space to speak about their experiences, the stuff that goes into it. And that idea comes from, I think it was a throwaway from a rapper, but it was a throwaway from currency. And he's, you know, talking about, I don't listen to current music when I'm in album mode because it kind of works its way into what you're doing. And I think we've deprecated creativity in a way or define creativity in such like interesting constraints. There are instances where someone does something so, you know, different and it pops, but then, you know, I start questioning like, where is that really happening? What is really happening? So that brings me to this, this question I have for you. Um, and this comes out of one of the books, actually, where, where this great art happen? Where is the most interesting work happening? And I know that that's subjective or what have you, but I just want to get your take. Where is like great art happening? Is it in like the blighted communities, quote unquote, communities that don't have the resources, but they're getting out stuff with sparse resources? Is it on the college campuses? Where do you see like in terms of uh, locale or demographics, where do you see like the great art coming out of? Where is it happening? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that there's great art and creativity in all corners of our community. Um, I'm sure you have had a moment where either you yourself or someone you were talking to said something exactly the way it needed to be said. It was just pure poetry, you know? That happens on a regular basis, you know? I, I mean, the way that folks talk you know and and they have their their idioms and their style and this is all informed from the culture um you have kids scribbling in their notebooks you know tuning out of class and creating these amazing sketches um but they're not calling it art it's just something that they do right because art has this almost elitist um association with it that oh, it has to be in a gallery or it has to be in the MoMA for it to be considered art. But that's just not true. I mean, there's art all around us. You know, somebody's grandmama made a new recipe on a cake, you know, and <laughs> it, it's a culinary art and it's lovely, you know. Um, so I think there's art all around us. I just think that we, we need to um, pay attention. Yeah. We need to... And, and not everybody wants their stuff to be for sale. Some people do it for pleasure. Yeah. So we <laughs> embrace the diversity within creativity. There are some people, they want to get paid for it, and that's cool. Yeah. And then there are others where they just wanted to weave, they wanted to make you something, and it's from the soul. And they're content with you just being happy to receive something that they made that came from their spirit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that... Um, yeah, I think we need to embrace more uh, folk art artists. We need to embrace all different kinds of art um, and then also show them that there are all these different paths that they can do with it if they want to, right? Yeah. It's a yeah. difference between choosing not to do something and believing that you can't do anything with it. 100%. Um... And that's and that's why when I talk to people and I pitch this podcast and pitch the interviews and all, I I try to have as broad of an understanding because I've talked to people. They'll look at oh visual arts. That's arts like yo don't forget culinary arts because I love talking with chefs. I, I love having those sorts of conversations. Or you know well culture. Why are you talking to small business owners? 
they're there are places where art can be sold. There are places where art can be like shown from a visual standpoint. And a lot of a lot of artists are entrepreneurs. Let's not <laughs> take that out of it, you know, if they're selling their work. So yeah, just trying to, you know, change this sort of like rigid and I think outdated way that we look at things to be more inclusive and broader and um, reflective of, of what's happening. Like there are some instances where dance isn't part of the whole arts, like funding package, what have you, or, you know, podcasting. Oh, this is not a media. It's like, I'm not a podcaster, like some dude with a microphone. I'm you know trying to do some curating here. I'm trying to be intentional with who I speak to and try to like, think of the listener at the end of the day, what's interesting, what's something that can be a benefit. Now, articulating that in a way that feels that key that keys on all the words we talked about earlier. I don't know. I just do what I do, as you were, were saying earlier. And I don't know if this is art, but uh, I think I enjoy making it. And I think that people enjoy listening to it. Yeah. Yeah. You are doing storytelling and that is a part of the arts. Um, and sometimes we have to teach people how to see what we do. Right. Yeah. We can't let them define what we do. We have to. Um, kind of like Muhammad Ali style said, I'm the greatest, you know, yeah. and if you don't recognize it, I am going to show you <laughs> I am the greatest, right? And yeah. so if you see what you're doing as art, then that's, you need to go with that. Yeah. I, I think that's the a good spot for us to stop with the real questions. And I want to open it up to these rapid fire questions. Okay. They, they're ridiculous. I'm just letting you know, but <laughs> one or two of them are ridiculous. The rest of them are good. Uh, yeah. So, you know, don't overthink them and, you know, brevity, quickly, by the way, so be careful. <laughs> brevity is key. Brevity is key. Uh, if you were to sum it up um, in three three words, what is Baltimore's cultural identity? Yeah, I don't know that Baltimore's um, identity can be summed up into three words because yeah, there are a challenge. <laughs> there are so many Baltimore's, right? You know, there's the Baltimore of the natives and folks who've been here for generations and they have grandparents who work the steel mills and they are part and parcel of you know baltimore and and all of the redlining and uh, all this sort of suppression that's happened and and racial racism and things like that and then there are lots of transplants like myself right um who i did not grow up here but i um I, I moved to Baltimore at like 16, I think, and then finished high school and then left and then came back. <laughs> um, so I think Baltimore is an evolving city. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the way that D.C. was in the late 90s and it was kind of being primed for um, <laughs> commercial interests, <laughs> that's what's happening to Baltimore. Um, and I would love to see the, the native Baltimoreans to be not just woke, but to be a part of the decision making. So, because if you're not a part of the decision making, you know, it's like you're going to wake up one day and be like, oh, wow, this all happened, you know, while I was asleep or, you know, yeah. um, and then we'll be reacting as we always do, you know, yeah. like this is bullshit you know this ain't right <laughs> you know so it's kind of like yeah the writing is on the wall penn station is being renovated 150 dollars mm -hmm. Druid hill park a 300 million dollar renovation so what does that mean for the folks who live around there for the real estate for yeah. the cre creatives 
um, the the culture of the that more money population that's going to move in and try to suppress some of the more homegrown culture. You know, so I think that um, you know Baltimore is definitely a city in flux, and we need to tap into our power. You know, um, and and you know think of all of those great um civil rights leaders and all those folks you know who came out of baltimore and artists and 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 really um fight you know to help define what that new narrative is because time only moves forward yeah yeah i agree uh if if so starting tomorrow to the day is 25 hours instead of 24 what do you do with the extra hour sleep of course okay that's, that's an honest answer. I, I appreciate that. I, uh, okay, this is this is one of the ridiculous ones. Um, what is a nonprofit or development or grant or art term that you're like, eh, we use this too much. We this is this needs to go. Mm, interesting. Because I have uh, some trolley ones. <laughs> oh gosh, that that's a great question. Actually, um, <laughs> so I know that um, you know impact you know gets thrown around <laughs> <laughs> um and sometimes it's like how about you know the impact of these these hands right like <laughs> I, I i literally I, I i may do it i may not um i've i've joked with a few of the guests i've had on i was like i want to do an interview in character as a super pretentious they using all of the terms i was oh. like yeah you know i want to represent the impact of the east baltimore diaspora and it's just like in the spaces and places that we're in and just i haven't said anything but i've said all of the all the approved terms right 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 um yeah there's so many terms um oh uh, i mean i mean impact is a good one though yeah i mean it's weird like you know folks you know they have their their own funding priorities um you know i i mean some of them are useful you know sure. and then you know others you know um are just ridiculous but i'm trying to think why is the ridiculous escaping me right now you know it's, it's funny though when like you said that the ones that can be used the ones that are useful it's funny that like for me i've noticed a few more pop into my i was like oh that should not be part of my lexicon oh no <laughs> which, which ones have you noticed um mm, uh i'm trying to think because I, I think i'm in kind of that similar spot as you where um <laughs> i've said spaces more which my my partner she looks at me and she's like what the hell are you talking about or um you know through the lens of blah 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 she's like this is not how you talk i was like look she's like your scarf is going to get bigger your glasses are going to get tinier <laughs> i was like what are you saying <laughs> but yeah that's 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 really what it is but i think part of it is byproduct of uh who you're having conversations with a lot um but definitely impact is is one of those because um because it's, it's almost like paraphrase sometimes or you you mean something else like it's one term that i'm blanking on but I, when they talk about the prioritization of or allocation of resources and, and so on i'm like i think this... equity is probably used oh God, a yes. lot and yeah. i don't i don't think people even know how to use it but oh my gosh people are screaming well let's let's have an equity statement you know? yeah 
Let's be more equitable. Like, I'm like, how about you have an equity history? You know, let's let's, <laughs> let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah. I immediately thought of Yosemite Sam just taking like shots. <laughs> Strategy. <laughs> plan. You know, uh, everything is strategic. You know, we're looking at alignment. Yes. <laughs> yeah, when those when those like sort of synergistic business terms start popping up in this sort of like area, it's just like this isn't you're like realize who you're talking to. Like it's not to say that the folks that may be applying for grants that are connecting with these nonprofits don't know about these terms, but it, this is not the language for your audience, you know, in many instances. It's like people know what they're they know right. what they're doing. So here's the last one I got for you. Bilingual. Yeah, he, he, right. So here's the last one I got for you. Um, creative and cultural work takes a lot of energy. How do you fuel? What is your go-to meal? How do you how do you stay like energized to do the good work? Mm. I, I work out um, at least four times a week. Um, I try to eat good, cleanly. I try to surround myself with good people, good energy, who care about themselves. Because you know they say birds of a feather, right? So it's yeah. like. I'm trying to, you know, live cleanly. I can't be hanging out with folks who want to eat at McDonald's all the time or something, you know. Um, you know, I want to hang out with people who want to go to the supermarket and we can cook and, you know, do a meal exchange or, you know, I, I just really enjoy good vibes, good people. And that's another term, right? Vibes. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I'm, an ex I'm creating experiences. <laughs> yeah, that was such a vibe. You know, I don't know. Well, actually, that's not in the nonprofit world. I feel like that's like po that's become popular. Like people, for sure, right? That was a whole vibe. <laughs> no, that's I, I like that. I, I I usually ask people this this question, like uh, in terms of like you know artists. I, I got a friend who's a painter, and he was just like, yeah, most of the painters I know, we're all kind of just dicks. He's like, we just send each other like weird memes of different things, and I was like, okay, just interesting to hear about your your circle of friends and how they kind of you know the the creatives that you're hanging out with, but definitely being around people who have those sort of similar interests, and it, it makes sense. It it makes makes it works. It works. So with that, um, I want to thank you for for being on this podcast. Yeah. And um, two, I want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks where to check you out, where to check out Thrive Arts, all of that good stuff. The floor is yours. Yeah. So please, you know, check out Thrive Arts at thrivearts.org. Um, I'm on most social media platforms um, at Abdul Ali-ism. Um, so yeah, that's I, I try to make them all uniform so you to find me. Um, and also, I co-host with uh, a dear friend and a colleague, Helen Young, a networking, a, a monthly networking um, happy hour. Nice. Um, so we're going to have that this Thursday at Busboys and Poets at 5 p.m. Um, and we have a Facebook uh, page. Um, I think it's called like Baltimore Freelance uh, happy hour or something like that yeah. so uh, all, all of the ways to connect well there you have it folks i want to again thank abdul ali for coming on to the podcast and i'm rob lee saying that there's art culture cultural workers nonprofits, people helping you with the things that you need help with i'll just put it that way and um uh, and i'm rob lee saying there's there, there you go it's truth in his heart bye <laughs>